morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Mario, also known as the Node Defender, joining us. Johnny, a.k.a. the Italian Stallion, is behind the scenes. And today, we have a very special guest, somebody we've had on our channel for quite a while now and has grown closer to the Ripple community by the day, Crypto Erie. They're going to see that from your video tomorrow. Crypto Erie is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how central banks around the world are shifting into digital assets as we speak with new developments coming out around the world of new companies leveraging these assets for the future of tokenization. We also have an update on the BlackRock and XRP situation as the fake rumors of an ETF were dispelled yesterday. We're going to discuss how far away this product is from actually launching in the United States. And in 48 hours, there is an Ethereum NFT launching that could change the world of crypto, at least according to the ICO founder. With the largest financial firms on the planet, we're going to break down the details. Uh, sorry, I messed that up there, guys. With the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So I apologize, Mario. I don't butcher the intro often, but I actually merged two sentences. So that is my fault. How are you feeling this morning, my friend? And thank you for being here. I'm feeling amazing, Abs. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody in the chat. Good morning, Crypto Airy. Good morning, Johnny K, which will be here soon. Abs, you, you've done 446 of these at this point. So listen, if you mess up once or twice, totally normal. You're a human being and you do an amazing job on a daily basis. I'm sure people are going to give you a break, but good morning, everyone. Hope you're all doing great. Let's get this going. Thank you so much, Mario and Erie. The key, surround yourself with people who are better than you. And that's what I think I've done here. But first of all, how are you feeling this morning? And thank you for being here. Yeah, I'm feeling great. It is uh, just after 1 a.m. here at Tokyo time and uh, always look forward to being on your show. So thank you so much. Thanks for being here. And we always appreciate it. And luckily, the news topics have correlated perfectly because we got some exciting stuff. And I want to address the BlackRock news so we can put that behind us at the beginning of the show. But we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we check out some of our daily movers this morning, we've got green bubbles across the board. CRO is up 14%. AVAX is up about 12%. Solana, 9%. And Gala Token, up about 4% on the day. When we check out the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.39 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 51% dominant. Ethereum is about 17%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 36,200. Ethereum, 2,040. We've got XRP trading at 65 cents and Solana still hanging out at $55. So that's pretty good to see for the Solana holders out there. Erie, I'd love to get this thing started with just an overall discussion of the market. There is so much optimism that has entered since the beginning of October. I'd like you to provide a little bit of realism. Where do you think we are in this overall market? A lot of people are anticipating 2024 to be exciting. I think 2025 will be the peak of the bull run. What do you see? Well, I think we're at the very beginning stages of a, of a bull run. I mean, you can talk to all the people who are really tapped into all of the ETFs that are on the verge of being what seems to be approved. I think so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, momentum behind those ETFs and 
you can listen to um, Funstrat and you can listen to Kathy Wood, who was speaking on CNBC. And, and I think everybody is in agreement that um, once these ETFs are approved, it's going to be a big catalyst. And so I think that everybody is is very hopeful for that. And then, of course, we have the coming halving that was going to occur in the uh, late spring. And so that's going to bring us again um, a brand new high within Bitcoin, uh, just mathematics wise, because the miners have to make uh, more money. And so we're going to see that squeeze and and it's going to be up and to the right, I'm sure. So I think everybody's feeling optimistic. Yes, it, it's sometimes it feels like uh, one step forward, two steps back and then sideways for a while. But I think really overall, the market's very strong. And I think there's a difference in the sentiment of the market right now. The biggest contrarians in, in previous cycles were the banks, were people like Larry Fink, were people like, um, I don't know about some of the other contrarians. I don't want to put anyone else out there. What we've seen is a clear distinguishment between what JP Morgan's done in 2021 and what they're doing in 2023. It's only been two years and they've completely flipped with how they're interacting with these assets. Mario, before we get into some of our, our relevant content for today, we also saw the XRP debacle, and I just wanted to show the price chart for our listeners. This right here, this one-hour spike is what happened with the BlackRock news, quickly going back here. And everybody thought we were trending back up. Maybe it's true. We're trending in the right direction. Well, yesterday, we got hit with a big red day, going from about $0.66 cents to $0.62 cents in just a few hours. What, do you, what is your reaction to the initial news of the BlackRock, and what else is on your mind? Yeah, it's funny because we were actually on some form of call, right? When the whole news happened and we were like, nah, what? Is this real? Is this not real? And I mean, the price action kind of tells you that there's, uh, to me, it tells me that there's a few people just sitting on the sidelines waiting for some big news to come out to trade those news. And that's what I, in my opinion, happened. Somebody traded those news and probably more people got wrecked than actually made money. But um I think overall what we've seen in the market the last couple of days has been positive because the market was, as Crypto Ari said, it was very optimistic. People uh, were are already getting this tingling feeling of a bull run. So it was good for us to get a little correction. Uh, I think it's going to allow for the market to settle a little bit now, create a foundation around these this new support level. And uh, I think that we are traveling towards uh you know uh, another bull run i mean if we look to it since the beginning of the year we've been in a bull run pretty much all year already we're up so much but i think it's uh it's positive uh for my opinion just personally i think all this ctf stuff although it's positive for the space i feel like there's a little bit too much optimism and hype around it and that to me just gets my spidey senses tingling a little bit because it could be a little a little sign of uh of uh buy the rumor, sell the news kind of event. But nonetheless, I, I do believe that we are traveling towards a bull run and that things are going to get very exciting in the crypto space sooner rather than later. I agree with you, Mario. And I think we're trending in the right direction here. Erie, there's something that we're going to cover later in the show where I figured out that the correlation between the total market cap and the peak of each project's price has a very distinct uh, pattern for every cycle. And, and I did the math on a bunch of these. So Bitcoin will typically reach at least 68% dominance during a cycle. That means if this market's $1 trillion, 68% of that $1 trillion will be sitting in Bitcoin for at least one minute. Doesn't mean it's going to be there for a long time. I did the correlation with XRP, and what it shows me is that we're typically going to reach 17% dominance. And that's something I'm looking forward to addressing later in the show. But I wanted to start off with this information I found just yesterday off that BlackRock pump. I found a shocking correlation between XLM and XRP. And you've been in this market for a long time, six, seven, eight years, maybe. 
maybe you can explain what's really happening here because we all have our theories. We all love the conspiracies, but it's shocking. And, and I think it really shows there's some manipulation. There's some sort of market automated system going on here. I'd love for you to elaborate, Ari. What do you think's going on? Well, I, I saw the same news and I saw the same chatter. And I think uh, a lot of people just really don't know because I, I can't figure it out. They shouldn't be correlated. Um, I know that people think that they should be, but I personally don't think they should. Um, Jed went and built his own software. And so it's not a, it's not related to the, you know, it's not a fork of the code at all. And like maybe some people might think it's not. He totally wrote something fresh and new. Um, I, I know that the use cases have some crossover. Um, and I know the communities have some crossover. Uh, but, you know, it just doesn't make any sense why the two of them are moving in tandem. I can't explain it. So I really don't know. And I got a really funny comment in the in the comment section of my Twitter. They go, Abs, just shut up and hodl till 2025. Stop asking these types of questions. And I said, I will shut up and hodl, but I will never stop questioning, guys. And we already got 361 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Amaro, before we move on to a serious topic, what's your take here? Yeah, look, I think that in this specific case, we saw a news that was specifically for XRP. And XLM moved in, in synchronicity. And, and that to me is, it's very intriguing. I, I don't think that this is a type of event that would have connected the two. I know that, you know, as Crypto Ari said, there's a lot of connections between the communities and the projects. And so it, I think that when we see price action on XRP, it might be normal to see it as well for XLM. But in this case, we're talking about a news that was specific for XRP. And it's not like people were typing in XPR. I mean, XLM and XRP are they have the same first letter, but then the, the next two are completely different. But uh, something to keep an eye on. But what it is, I guess, I don't know. Maybe we'll find out one day. Well, Ari, we're going to break down the BlackRock ETF rumors in just a minute. But we talked about the dominance of each project during the market. I'd like to dive into that right now. And I'd like to reuse the XRP as a reference, XRP chart as a reference. We had Mark Yusko on our show last week, and he said a modest prediction for his peak value of the crypto market in 2025 is about $5 trillion. And so mm -hmm. I did the very simple math of just applying a 17% ratio to that. What is 20% of 5 trillion? That would be about one, uh, it would be about $1 trillion. So 17% right. would be 3% less than that, about $850 billion in total valuation. The question that I have for you is one, do you believe we're going to follow that same dominant cycle when it comes to a lot of these altcoins? This would be great for many projects, not just XRP. But number two is, do you think that certain projects are going to perform differently because of where we are in the market today? Well, I think what's different when we really do go into this full-blown bull market is that there are a lot of layer twos within the EVM capabilities and in the DeFi <clears throat> in the DeFi sector that weren't here on the last big bull run. So I think more of that is going to spread. You know, where in the earlier, if you look at the earlier bull runs, you know, there there was a smaller core group of of uh, of assets that people were pouring their money into. I think I think there's more and more quality projects now uh, that are just going to take some of that um, capital, and I think we're going to see a a thinner a thinner spread across the board. You know, I can remember the the first run that I experienced. Bitcoin had like a ninety some percent dominance. You know that that 
those days I know are over, but I don't know if XRP is going to be able to hold uh, what the past it's been able to do. I'm not sure. Same with Ethereum. Um, I just think because there's so many quality projects now. But what what I really found interesting though is that is that the news. You know, Ripple has some great news almost what every other day, and nothing moves the price. But you could see the pent up excitement for a possible ETF, and that to me was the most amazing thing within that 45 minutes. How much the <laughs> digital asset could move on that particular news and it will come eventually it will finally come and and there will be a, a financial instrument with with xrp but wow that that just shows you that yes it will move on the right kind of news <laughs> absolutely and that was my takeaway yesterday as well imagine if it was real this is the these are the games i like to play especially during a bear market if the etf product was real which we know someday they're going to offer a basket of, of payments. I mean, it's going to be a XRP, XLM, HBAR. There's going to be Algorand. There's going to be these basket of goods that are offered to clients. We're just two or three years away. And look at how the market reacted to that news in the midst of a bear market with no institutional leverage there at all. It was all just retail buyers, it seemed like. And when you look at the liquidations, unfortunately, that seems to be the truth as well. And Erie, we're no TA experts on this show, as you can tell with this line right here, but clearly we're trending in the right direction. So I just wanted to get your, your optimism and your thoughts on 2024. We're not talking price targets, but just the market overall with regulation coming in the US, spot ETFs possibly being approved and the court case being behind us for XRP. There's so many positive narratives in front of us. What's your biggest takeaway? Yeah, all of what you just mentioned. And and plus, I think that Gensler is, is finally going to be either reined in or there's going to be a, a change in in uh, who's at that helm. And so I think, oh, I just think it's it's going to we. I think the worst years are behind us, to be honest with you, especially with the three arrows capital and FTX and all and, and Celsius being gone. And I, I just think we have endured a lot and i think we've become smarter investors and smarter as a whole as an ecosystem everybody from the top to the bottom and i think we're just poised to really finally come out and if yusko said he thinks it's going to be a five trillion dollar market that is very exciting for me to hear and it was really exciting to hear how his opinions have changed over time in the beginning, he was really optimistic about Bitcoin being the layer for everything. The, the and, and I know this is the maximalism talk. I don't, I don't know what to call it besides that. But that's basically what he was describing is it's, it's going to be a universal payment layer used everywhere for everybody. And I love the idea behind it. The idea is that you're taking power away from these centralized entities, putting it back in the hands of the people. So I like the optimism, but the reality of that, it's a different story. So I, I do want to play this interview here from uh, Kathy Wood because you brought it up. Gary Gensler may have a different incentive than correctly regulating crypto guys. And right here, Kathy Wood outlines what that may be. Twitter's point of view is he fit the showstopper. Hey, I was like, I got no audio. Oh, sorry about that. Network. Uh, you can follow actually Mario, do me a favor and take the floor real quick. I, I got to change something in my audio settings. When we're talking about 2024, I just need about 60 seconds here. What do you see as the most optimistic thing from a U.S. standpoint? Is it the ETFs? Is it the clarity? Is it the regulation? What sticks out to you? I think it's going to be a combination, uh, just like 
you said, Abs, like all those things are going to be a combination. I really think that 2024 is also going to be the year where we finally get like something coming out of Congress. I really think that we will get some form of, of uh, framework because I, I feel like the pressure is starting to build on them. I feel like things are starting to heat up from a perspective of uh, pressure on what they're not doing. And now we've got Coinbase involved. We've got finance that's also under fire from the SEC. And I really think that because of the institutions that are involved, we will finally see something come from, from there. Hey, Johnny. The audacity, the audacity to boot me off the screen, my friend. But we got 430 live listeners joining us. I just added myself to the screen. We got Johnny Crypto joining the show, and we're about to show an exciting Kathy Wood video. Johnny, I'd love to give you a chance to introduce yourself. How are you feeling this morning? And we'll dive into it. Well, let me just say good morning to all the war maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you for showing up every single day. And Abs, I'm excited. Can't wait to join you guys. Great to see Mario. And, of course, our special guest, Crypto Area. Hi, Crypto Area. How are you today? Right. Oh, okay. sorry about that. There we go, Erie. Oh, that's okay. I'm doing great, and, and so nice to see you. Likewise. Johnny, we're having tech issues for sure, and I butchered the introduction at the beginning of the show, but here's what I promise you. we it's can't. They can't stop me from bringing the relative content, and we're going to show that right now. Here's Kathy Wood talking about Gary Gensler and his true intentions for regulating the crypto market. The showstopper, at least from Gary Gensler's point of view, is he thinks – uh, Bitcoin can be manipulated. And, uh, you know, this is a decentralized, transparent network. Uh, you can follow you can follow all the activity online. It's highly unlikely. Well, it had to be that because he taught he understands. Kathy. He's got enough. Not, not many people do. Uh, a lot of people don't have enough knowledge about how it works. Yes. To make an informed decision about Bitcoin. He taught at MIT about, so he understands yes, he that it's not a Ponzi scheme or a beanie baby. Right. So there has to be something else. Well, I, I don't know what it is. I have wondered, there's speculation that he's interested in the Treasury Secretary position at some point. What does the Treasury protecting Secretary Protecting fiat do? from Very the government? I mean, it, 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 Very focused on. I don't what does the Treasury position do? protects the value of fiat, my friend. Why is Gary Gensler against crypto? That's the biggest threat to his market. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours, and we'll go to Erie. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's really a joke to say that, you know, Bitcoin can be manipulated when the whole entire stock market's manipulated. And the SEC is supposed to go with that thing, and that thing's manipulated beyond manipulation. It's just a bunch of horse bullshit. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, you're right. He's, you know, he's got a bigger agenda. He's being told what to do from above, and he's just executing those orders like he's supposed to. Because if he's a good boy and he does his job, he's going to get promoted to the Treasury Secretary. I'll say what Kathy Woods didn't want to say on there. That's really what I think is going on here. But I have no insight, no information, just a gut feel. That's what I think is happening. Ari, we got 454 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And it's like they say, it's one big club, and we aren't in it. That's a primary example. What's on your mind, Ari? Oh, well, I found it. I used that clip tonight in my video, by the way, because I, I thought it was very amusing the way they danced around it. They all wanted to say it. They all wanted to uh, opine on, on the reasons why he's doing what he's doing. But quite honestly, I, I think his performance is, is now coming out to be so poor uh, for handling the SEC. I, I think he's really damaged himself, and I don't think he's going to be in the same position to get that treasury position like he might have been uh, slated for it two years ago. I don't think it's going to happen. 
So we've talked a lot about how the lobbyists matter more than the actual politicians or the actual policymakers. And what we've seen from the last 12 months in particular is the largest lobbyists in America have changed their stance on crypto. How long until you think the people who are controlling Gary Gensler's opinion supposedly flip their stance and Gary Gensler becomes crypto friendly? Do you see that as something in the next 12 months? For Gary Gensler to be crypto friendly? Or at least, no, never crypto friendly. That's far too optimistic. Let's say uh, not the biggest enemy to crypto. How about that? Well, I mean, I would love to see it happen, but I, I don't I don't think his ego will allow him to make an about face. And so I, I don't think we're going to see it. And I think we're just going to have to weather through uh, until he's out of there. And yeah, that's but I do think that the tables are starting to flip on him. That's that's for sure. Yeah, we've seen abs the biggest WWE heel turn in history. I mean. Here you had Larry Fink saying, you know, crypto was a scam that's garbage, and now it's a flight to safety. If if Larry could do it, it won't surprise me someday if we actually see Gary do it too. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Larry, Gary, maybe we see the full flip. Well, maybe they're tag team WWE heel turns. We'll have to wait and see. I do want to talk just really briefly about the 2024 election because there's going to be a change in whoever's in office, and that's obviously going to have ramifications for crypto. If we get new policymakers in that are pro-crypto, pro-innovation, I think we could see a 180 from America. And me and Johnny had a great conversation last night on, on the Merlin Twitter spaces where he said the U.S. is way behind. And I said, everything seems intentional. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we saw a big shift into the American markets over the next 24 months because BlackRock matters, JP Morgan matters. And I know I keep saying those names, but those are the two companies that have completely flipped publicly on CNBC. So- what do you think about that? Uh, new politicians creating a new order for crypto in the U.S. Uh, crypto area. Do you see that? Oh, as well? I, th- I think I think your point is is spot on and and well well pointed out because um, there's one thing that Craig DeWitt said uh, to me that's that I'll never forget, and he said that nobody can move when they finally decide to move. Nobody moves faster than the U.S. So. Yes, we are we are behind right now. That's that's clearly um, evident behind, you know, Singapore, uh, uh, the UAE, um, Japan, the UK. But but when the country and the people really decide to move, we can move really fast. So I think that there is a chance that we can still salvage this position and this competitiveness and and pull ahead of everyone else who is currently ahead of us. And here's an example of how that may happen, Erie, with companies like BlackRock filing for crypto products in the future, not now. The rumors were not true, guys. And that's what this latest video is about. We're going to play it and discuss. Here we go. I think people are getting ahead of themselves a bit. Yeah, I mean, th- this would be a very aggressive posture if if BlackRock went and did something like this, right? This this would be very, very aggressive towards the SEC. And honestly, it wouldn't get through. Um, the reason, the, the the path we have right now for, for Bitcoin and Ethereum is the CME futures market, and then you have the futures ETFs, and theoretically, that also qualifies based on the Grayscale decision for a spot ETF. Now, obviously, we're not there yet with Bitcoin even, and we're not definitely not there with Ethereum, and we are nowhere on that list at all for right now for XRP. Now, obviously, there are other ways, possibly like a Congress market structure bill um, products, and XRP has not even gotten to step zero on that list, really. Um, and, and as you mentioned, there's, there's, there's all the stuff going on with the, the court case currently with the SEC. 
I have my own opinions, but I'm going to kick it to you, Erie, and then I'll discuss. Yeah, you know, that is a new clip for me, and and I see his point, and I think that uh, it's very possible that that is going to still, for the next year, year and a half, be a little bit of a drag on uh, the digital asset. Um, so I think that though people are positioning themselves for the upside and getting ready and we'll have all the ducks in a row, but I think probably um, pulling the actual lever to put XRP into an ETF before everything is completely said and done with the SEC, it, he's probably right. We were, uh, you know, that's that's going ahead of the skis a little bit. And that's what my initial reaction was to Mario. I, I heard that clip and I thought, how ambitious of everyone to think, even if this was true, that it would get approved, right? Nobody even went that far ahead. They just saw, oh my gosh, BlackRock is approving an XRP trust. The floodgates are opening. It needs to be approved by Gary Gensler and the SEC guys. So that's a pretty big hurdle we got to get over. What stuck out to you, Mario? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I believe that there's a timeline and that timeline, you know, has to play out. We can't skip we can't skip Bitcoin ETF. We can't skip Ethereum ETF. I mean, there's a big question mark around Ethereum because Gensler has refused to answer whether Ethereum is security or not. Um, and then not to mention, we still have this ongoing litigation, which has technically not come to an end. So that timeline need, needs to play out and it has to go in order. And I think that the closest thing we have to a crypto ETF is going to be Bitcoin. And I think that's going to be positive for the space. Um, the shift is starting to happen, which which is definitely a good thing. And we're getting mainstream coverage asking the same questions we've been asking since the SEC went after Ripple. And the good thing is that now everybody's noticing it. Back then, it was only the XRP community that was asking all these questions and saying, how can you consider XRP a security? How can you not have concise rules and regulation around crypto when you, Gary Gensler, teach it at, or taught it at MIT, you're supposed to understand this technology. And nobody was asking those questions. Nobody was making those kind of comments, only the XRP community. But now that Gary Gensler has shown to be the, the bad cop and is going after all these different blockchains and, and now actually exchanges, which is even worse, uh, now he's getting all this stuff thrown at him. But I, I think it's just a matter of time. The pressure is building in. And I've been saying that since the beginning of the year, more, more or less, that I've always felt that the U.S. wasn't falling behind. I always felt like it was just part of the plan and, and that at some point things would flip. And like Ari stated, um, you know, it can flip pretty fast because of the players that we have in, in the U.S. So it's nice to, to see that that's finally happening or it looks like it's going to happen pretty soon. Ari, I saw you had a reaction. Did you have a reaction or should I kick it to Johnny Crypto? I had a reaction and that is <laughs> you read me pretty well. Uh Everybody credits Gensler for teaching at MIT, but I want everyone to remember he didn't write his own courses. It was written by Joichi Ito, which is, uh, he's, he's now a, a VC here in Japan, back, back in Japan uh, with the Digital Garage, I think is the name of his, his group. He's got an accelerator. Anyway, um, I, he was just propped up as a, as a presenter. He never really wrote his courses. So I, it just drives me crazy that, that people pass him off as this expert when, when actually I think he was just kind of a, a news reporter just reporting what was written for him. So that's, that was, a, that's, that was my reaction. <laughs> Johnny Crypto, what are your thoughts on this matter? So remember this, whether or not 
the XRP case is settled or not. When you file a ETF, the ETF itself or anything that's in that basket is going to be considered a security. When Bitcoin goes in that ETF basket, that ETF is a security. Okay, it'll be sold as a security. It will be getting the, the, the blessing of the SEC. So, you know, whether or not the case needs to be settled or not, ultimately it has been the judge already ruled. Um, the reality is the SEC would get what it wants because if they offered or approved a ETF, an XRP ETF, it would be a security. That ETF would be a security. Now, I kind of agree that it is a little bit putting the cart before the horse. You would think that these in like BlackRock would or somebody would have to go file for it. And my guess is these big companies are going to wait until everything's, you know, all the, the D's are crossed and the dies are on the, uh, blah, and the I's are dotted before they actually apply for one. But at the end of the day, when they do get it approved, it will be a security, the offering of whatever the basket is, whether it's ET, uh, BTC, Ethereum, XRP, or what I think is going to happen is they'll also be, not only will you get individual ETFs, you're going to get basket ETFs the way you see today, I think. You know, you have energy ETFs. You've got financial banking ETFs. I think you'll have crypto ETFs. Maybe you'll have smart contract ETFs, payment ETFs, gaming ETFs. My guess is they're going to splatter this thing and they're going to milk the shit out of it and make as much money and offer as much products as possible. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, you're so right because uh, Kathy Wood, one of her ETFs that she talked about that she's releasing it is is a basket form. It's it's a, It's exposure to not just one digital asset so yeah and you're right about they're going they're going to extract <laughs> wall street is going to extract as much out of these assets as they can they're just gonna yeah, yeah. they're gonna just bleed them to death until yep. they come up with another new asset class maybe in 20 years from now but for the next 20 years it's gonna be all crypto they're gonna pump this whole bitch like they never pumped before and i'll tell you why i'm excited because we're all in it early this is like 1993-94. Abs was in diapers. I was just getting out of college. The world was blowing up. Internet was coming. Cell phones were coming. They were heavy and they were big, but they were cool. It was a new thing. And it's like the same thing. You have this whole new uh, evolution of the next transition to what we call Web 3.0. And, man, for some of those people who were in this thing early back in the night, they became Internet millionaires overnight. And I'm not saying that this is a get-rich-quick scheme. I'm just saying there are there is the potential for people who are in early to do really, really well. But not cheap plug. You better have an exit plan. You better know when to get out. Don't pull a Johnny Crypto and sell all your Amazon at $27. You better keep some of it for the future. Guys, don't be a Johnny Crypto and sell your XRP at 80 cents. That is not financial advice. I didn't do that either. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. We got 514 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And a special thank you to our guest, Crypto Erie. Johnny, Crypto Erie had a great take, and we're going to dive into the details of this news in just a minute about what happened with the XRP ETF news. But look at what we correlated yesterday. We had the XRP and the XLM price chart move almost identical. But what Erie pointed out is that imagine if this news was real. Look at how the market reacted. If this was real, without even saying that the SEC would approve it, we pumped 12% in an hour. So I'd like to hear your response to that. Do you think that was a good indication of how the market will react to this news when it when its inevitability comes? No. See, so you're looking at short-term reaction news, right? Buy the rumor, sell the news, all that kind of stuff's going to happen. 
the real value in a Bitcoin or an ETF or an XRP isn't going to be in the short term. The real value, go look at the gold ETF. It's going to be in the long term. If you look at gold, it took, I don't know, five, eight years before gold actually skyrocketed after the ETF. You know, you've got the chart. We've showed all the time on this show. So will there be early speculation, pump and dump thing? Absolutely. Of course, there's going to be manipulation in the beginning of it. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for once all that noise crap shovels out and it goes flat and then people start investing in the ETFs and the underlying funds have to go buy more of the asset, that's going to drive the price up. That's the part I'm excited for. So, you know, is there a profitability in the beginning? Will there be some? Is it a little indicator? Yeah, something, something's going to happen there in the beginning. But does that get me excited? Not as excited as I'm going to be in the long run. Erie, any quick response to that before we dive into our topic? I'm a trader, so I, I, I welcome those, those short She's going to milk it. She's going to take it. And you know what? I'm not saying you shouldn't. I might even do it myself. I'm just saying I think the longer play is going to be in the long run. The higher you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I think uh, Wendy O always says it. You have your, you have your bag that you're hodling with and you have your bag that you're trading with. And I, I think she, she has a lot of good sense uh, in this space from a lot of experience. Yeah. And so I, I, I think that um, what she says is, is valid. And, and if you've been in the space long enough, the trading kind of gives you some fun when the market's going nowhere and the hodling gives you some fun because you've got the hope of, of where it's going to go for a long-term investment. Erie, I just want to address one question we had in the live chat today. Somebody asked question, how popular is XRP in Japan? I'd love to hear the answer. Yeah. So it, for, for years now, it is outsold Ethereum. It, Bitcoin is still the number one asset. Um, the country in Asia where XRP has flipped Bitcoin on occasion is is South Korea. But in um, Japan, it's the number two asset and Ethereum is number three. Is there any retail accessibility? Are people using XRP in any way that we're not in America? No, I think pretty much there's, there's a lot of hodlers. I mean, Mr. Kitao, the CEO of SBI, has put it in a rewards uh, format for, for financial services. He's used it as a salary for some of the esports guys. Um, he's got it slated to be used in a basket, a financial instrument for a basket where it's going to be weighted. It's Ethereum, Bitcoin, and, and uh, XRP. XRP is weighted, I think, 65% in that basket that is is going to happen uh, sooner, hopefully, than later now that all the SEC is over with. So, yeah, but I think as far as using it for payment, a lot more staking. And the yields are very, very good. Very good. Like like Polkadot has nearly a 20% return. So um, staking is a big deal here, and they do a lot of it. And yeah, maybe that's a little bit of a difference for compared to the U.S. because there's not a lot of staking in the U.S. Well, Johnny, you heard it here. Book the plane tickets, company trip. Merlin's going to Japan, guys. 20% <laughs> yield on the stick. And I'm only kidding, of course. I did want to go through this serious article because we're talking about how Delaware authorities have referred the fake BlackRock XRP trust 
to the state's Justice Department. And there's a couple of interesting details within this article. The headline really explains the majority of it. But check out this last sentence here. It said the fake XRP trust hinted that BlackRock could have been planning to launch an XRP-linked exchange traded fund in the U.S. But look at this. The party or parties responsible for the fake listing appeared to have used BlackRock's managing director, Daniel Swager's name on the registered trust. So a lot of people are wondering, let's prosecute it. Who filed this fake application? Guys, it looks like they used a fake name as well, or it was him and this whole debacle is still outplaying itself. I don't know. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this was a fake application. Crypto area, what do you think? Well, based on BlackRock uh, retweeting the partner news that it is not uh, them, I guess, you know, people don't want to take it from face value, but I think even if it was a mistake or even if somebody did it maliciously within, they probably will never divulge that. Uh, I, I have a feeling whoever did it, if it is fraudulent, they're going to find out because there had to have been a payment made to get that placeholder, according to Jeremy Hogan, attorney Jeremy. And so that means that they're going to find out who this person, party, group is and I'm curious what the penalties are going to be. I mean, I think it's going to be quite severe, quite stiff. And wow. And it's not the first time, you know, this has been done. I heard that there was an, another time that someone also filed a, a fraudulent fake ETF a few years back. So um, obviously somebody tried to make some money, I think. I don't think this is a real uh, instrument from BlackRock. Johnny, there's a video I'm going to play. So I found a seven-minute video yesterday of somebody who actually called Delaware and reported this. And I put it out on my Twitter account, and I, I clipped the most important 35 seconds. We're going to end up showing that at the end of the show, but I did want to get your opinion here. Jeremy Hogan put out this thread yesterday. He said, conjecture here about the conspiracies between the BlackRock and XRP listing. A criminal saw what happened with the Ethereum trust filing, meaning the price did extremely well based off the news, and they filed an XRP trust filing, buying 100,000 XRP on leverage, selling at 74 cents and pocketing two to $3 million in the process. Or BlackRock has clients that want exposure to XRP and have begun the process. Tomorrow will tell. Well, clearly it wasn't this one, so it's probably this one. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. Abs, whenever there is a pool of money out there, there are always going to be criminals. There are always going to be scams. There are always going to be smart, clever, crooked, rat bastard, snake weasels that are going to figure out methods to steal money. And this was, in my opinion, I'm going to vote for, you know, if Jeremy had A and B up there, I'd root for A, conjecture, where he called conjecture. Um, I'm almost, you know, 90% sure that this was probably just a scam artist who figured out, hey, I could get this thing a quick pump to go up, so I'll over leverage the shit out of it. You know, they saw what happened in, in, in Ethereum and they went and, and they and they played it. And now the question is, are they going to get caught and what will happen to them? Because at the end of the day, like Crypto says, someone's got to make a someone's got to make a payment somewhere. And and it is criminal activity to use somebody else's name. In this case, if they used somebody from BlackRock, I don't I don't believe this is BlackRock. BlackRock would have came out and said it if it was theirs. You know, there's no reason why they wouldn't because it's filed. So if they're coming and saying it's not them and somebody used their name and their director's name, that is fraud. That's fraud. That's illegal. You can't do that. That's criminal activity. 
So I would suspect at some point somebody's going to get caught. It's just, it's just crazy, but it's going to always happen. It's going to continue. We're going to we saw the last bull run. Think of how many NFT projects and scams and safe moons and all these other pump and dumps we saw. You're in, in, in how many times do we see it now? People asking, you know, pretending to be coach or pretending to be crypto or somebody else or us and, and ask you for money. By the way, guys, we will never, ever ask you for money. Don't ever send us money. Um, but just people need to be aware. When you're in the beginning of something new and there's a pile of money there at the end, there is going to be criminal activity like you've never seen before. And so I just caution everybody to be very, very smart and careful with their money. Mario, I'm going to kick it to you right yeah. after this video. This was the this was the video that I found last night. Seven minutes. I've cut it down to 35 seconds. Here's what the Delaware State Commission had to say about the filing. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I see that someone called earlier today regarding this filing and this request and certain things regarding that. You got to give them time to, to see what's going on with the request. Okay. okay. So someone's already put in information regarding this order. Yeah. That's all I can tell you, and you have to wait. Okay. Yeah. No, no, okay. Okay. As, as long as long as you. So that video was about seven minutes long area. And what I found so interesting is that in the beginning of the first five minutes, he was explaining what had happened. And, and she seemed to think this has happened before. She's like, this seems to be not normal, but it wouldn't be a crazy circumstance to see a fake filing like this. What was your reaction to this video? Used to that it's um, um, in tonight's video. And I used actually that same portion of the clip that you, that you just threw out there. Um, I think that the phones were probably ringing off the hook. <laughs> so I think that they were just probably fielding a lot of calls and wondering how to answer it, you know, how, what exactly to say. I, I, I don't doubt they, they got 50 to 100 calls. To, yeah. Well, you know, I want to be in that customer service department. No, <laughs> definitely not. You know, I, I think that, at the same time, there there are bad actors in every market. You know, I don't think that this is per se a crypto problem. Of course, we're so centric around crypto that we kind of see this stuff happening so much, and that's why it feels like it's just a crypto issue. But I, I think there are bad actors in every market, and and manipulation happens in almost every sector. And this is nothing new under the sun. I do think that uh, on the topic of of XRP ETF, the one thing that we did see when when the SEC went after Ripple. We saw the delisting of XRP from almost all the exchanges in the US. And we also saw Grayscale drop their XRP trust. Now, I think that could be something that could skip that timeline. If Grayscale decides to reintroduce that XRP trust, now maybe they're prioritizing the fact that they're trying to convert their Bitcoin trust into uh, an ETF. But I think that's something that could be positive news and, and that could happen regardless of the current litigation. Well, Erie, there's another important article or headlines that are circulating right now in regards to Ethereum and the bombshell of all bombshells being dropped. Johnny, I didn't know if you had any comments on that last topic. So I just want to give you a chance to comment and then we'll run through this article. No, I think, like she said, the lady wasn't surprised. It probably it happens all the time. Again, if there's money to be made, there's going to be scammers around. It's the bottom line. The real question is, you know, will they be able to find them? And usually financial crimes aren't penalized as much as as regular crimes, but I hope they find who did it. The reality is if they don't find it and they don't put a stop to that, you're going to see more and more of that happening. And it's going to give, you know, it's going to crypto already has the biggest black eye out there. The only, the good news about this BTC ETF abs is it's going to bring 
legitimization to this whole industry. It's going to actually finally put it on the map once it's once it's done because it's a real approved SEC product that investors now around the world, starting with the U.S., can invest in. The last thing we want is as it gets that is that it gets, is that it's getting that credibility. It's also getting punched on the other side of the face and getting another black eye because people are still scamming it because that's the biggest problem with crypto. Go ask your best friends. I ask all mine. They always say, John, you're still in that scam. You're still in that crypto crap. That Everybody believes it's a scam right now. So I'm hoping they clean this stuff up. I'm hoping people get held accountable. We need to see some of this stuff get put to an end or it's just going to hurt it in the long run. And the more that people think it's a scam, the less they're going to come in. And this is simply a game of money in, money out. So the more money in, the higher the prices go. So the more it feels safe, the more money flows into this place. And Erie, this is an article I know you're very familiar with because you broke it down in your video earlier this morning. I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Johnny and Mario as well. Listen to this. So the anticipation for the revelation of a lifetime, Ethereum's insider is promising a big reveal in 48 hours, ramping up the fraud claims, and even went as far as to say this is bigger than the FTX fraud we witnessed last year. The Ethereum insider is starting a 48-hour countdown, and he released this via X. It should be within 48 hours, hopefully less, logistics are setting up smart NFTs. His recent communications have increasingly targeted Vitalik Buterin, suggesting a deeper involvement in the alleged fraudulent activities. He asserted, remember this video when I dropped the recording and what I tell Vitalik about 2.0 and to fix the misaligned incentive structures. Is Vitalik the savior they bill him as to make Ethereum scale? Or is he the reason that it's never scaled? You decide for yourself. Nareyev continued questioning the originality of Buterin's contributions to Ethereum. He said, did Vitalik invent anything? No, he did not. Ethereum never scaled because of him. Furthermore, he accuses Vitalik Buterin and Joseph Lubin of deliberately focusing on proliferating what he alleges fraudulent ICOs, thus hindering the entire crypto sector. He claims that the killer app was issuing utility tokens on ICOs, both of which Nareyov claims to invent. Vitalik and Lubin sabotaged crypto. Their focus was merely to issue hundreds or thousands of fraudulent ICOs, fleecing people in the process. Gavin, uh, actually, let's pause there for some comments because I just said a lot, Gary. So I'm going to kick it to you and then me, Johnny, Mario, will all jump in. Yeah, I think I think what we're going to see, uh, because Nerioff did reply to one of my questions. I think this is mostly a conversation that is going to prove that he was very instrumental in formulating, shaping the ICO process for Ethereum because they have denied him um, involvement, basically pushed him out and said that he was not uh, really an important component to having Ethereum come to market. And and I think this is going to prove uh, something totally different in, in that he was instrumental. He, he was the person who helped um, bring this to market. But he says that, as he says, that it just became like a a moneymaker for the ICOs. And Joe Lubin, through consensus, was just trying to create as many ICOs as possible. And a lot of people were hurt because of that. So I think I think their, their alignment of of why they brought it to market kind of split. And I, I think we're going to see that um, there was maybe some ill intent or not caring for the people who were participating in the ecosystem early on. But, you know, I want to bring out one really important thing that I think has not been 
mentioned and people are missing. What is so groundbreaking in this situation is that we are seeing breaking news being delivered in an NFT. Great point. Can can you think of any other breaking story that has been delivered in the form of an NFT? That is incredible. And that actually, in my opinion, is a big story here because you've got a brand new use case that maybe was never really tested. And I think that it has legs. And I think that you're going to see this continue to grow in a way that is, wow, so exciting. I'm personally thrilled that this is the way the news is going to be delivered. Eerie. So really quick, just to elaborate on why he's doing that, he's going to give individuals ownership of the news, basically. Yeah. So right. there, there's exactly. no, there's, go ahead. Sorry. It, it's incredible. It really is. So explain that a little bit for somebody who doesn't understand. Let's say I released an article about Johnny breaking news, guys. Johnny, he's upping the price of Merlin. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know what the story would be. But let's say I released it in an NFT form. What's the value of doing that as opposed to a traditional press release? Well, for one, you're actually putting you're putting history on the blockchain and it's and it's going to be immutable. And you are actually going to be a participant in something that's very historical because as he said this phone call is historical this this phone call is a part of history and and i think this is just scratching the surface of the melding of nfts and news i think it's incredible johnny crypto i want to get your reaction as well but this is my friend in the live chat here shout out to dusty he said narayoff will be ignored it will be slept under the rug and ethereum fanboys will not care as long as they get their money the media will all be in on the narrative. And, you know, I think that, Erie, I'd like to, you to respond to that, actually, because I think it's likely, and this is the unfortunate reality of the market right now, is that money talks and BS walks. It's like Johnny says, this is the Italian mafia out here. And until the relationships are exposed, we're going to have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, I don't think it's, I, I'm personally, you know, Ethereum is just, is code. It's good code. It has smart contracts. It, it really provides an incredible function. It's going to be instrumental in DeFi, which is going to be just gigantic and huge for the whole world to transform its financial services. I see a separation. So I, I don't think that it hurts Ethereum at all, to be honest with you. I think this is a total attack on, on individuals. I don't think it's attack an attack on Ethereum, the digital asset at all. So I think once people realize this isn't an attack on, on Ethereum as, as a digital asset, but it's trying to expose the wrongdoing of, of people that were involved, I think it's going to get coverage. I, I don't think it's going to be swept under the rug. Johnny and Mario, I want to give you a chance to comment. This was another update as well. If these allegations were false, Lubin and Buterin would be fighting back with litigation. That's a great point he makes. He said, listen, I'm willing to go to court, file a lawsuit. Let's go to court. And they won't do it. I think that is super, super valid evidence that what he's saying is true. But I don't know. So, Johnny, floor is yours. No, I mean, I think what will happen is like we see happen in most cases, right? What happened to Hinman? Nothing. You know, I think the same thing scenario here is I, I think Crypto Eddie's right. I don't think we'll see 
an impact on Ethereum, but I also don't think, you know, what do I always say, I was, you know, it's right here, right? This is, this is true. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And the reality, yes, my little paper one. And the reality is, you know, Vitalik has some friends in some very high places. And so I, I kind of do agree with with uh, our, our chatter there that, that this will probably not. And when I say swept under the rug, I don't necessarily think the story will get swept under the rug. I think crypto is right. It may come to the forefront. But do I think something's going to happen? Is Vitalik going to go to jail? Is he going to get held spot? No, I don't think so. You never see the big boys going to jail. I mean, maybe we'll see F, uh, you know, SBF finally go to jail. He may be the fall guy for that because I think there's no way to get out of that. He's too deep into it, and he's probably going to go away for a while, maybe to some country club. We'll be cutting the sausage and the garlic and the sauce, and we'll have a nice little, you know, probably big room there like Martha Stewart had, and you know, I'm sure. But um, but do I think something big is going to, you know, I, I, you know, you never see anybody being held accountable for their crimes anymore. So I don't know, Abs. We'll at least Stephen Naryoff will, will have the truth out and he yes. will be and and for his his life and for his which was turned upside down when he was thrown in a van and and really just unbelievable what happened to him I think this is this is really important for the truth to come out for him and yeah I agree with coming you. out I in think- the live chat as well Johnny as Kevin Jones has corrected us Eerie, I always say Eerie. I mean Eddie. I mean to pronounce it correctly. I said Eddie, by the and way. And for anybody who doesn't know, my real name is Abdullah. So I think I get the excuse to None pronounce None of us get that right either. Just no, nobody got right. That's why they call me abs, guys. But we got 535 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I, I don't know if you guys want to stick on this topic, but Brad Garlinghouse had an exciting cool. update earlier this week where he talks about it being a multi-blockchain world. And he's not a maximalist for any token. That includes XRP. I'm very bullish about a whole bunch of different things going on in crypto, said Brad Garlinghouse. I certainly am active in trying to dissuade people from being maximalist about any crypto, any particular crypto. It will be a multi-chain world. And that's bullish. That's exciting news, guys, that the fact that multiple tokens are going to succeed in this process is the best thing that could happen for regular investors like us. And so, Johnny, I see you shaking your head. What's on your mind? I'm just wondering if you listen to this show. We've been saying that for a year and a half that this is going to be built on a multi, multi-chain, multi multi-level layer block world. It's not going to be one chain to rule them all. We've been saying that forever, and it's so cool to actually hear Brad say the same thing because now it's valid. It, it matters because somebody at his stature said it. But the reality is, of course, there was no way one blockchain was going to rule all apps. It's never going to happen. It's going to be a combination of a bunch of different technologies. And then those are going to form something that's going to, you know, maybe solve a payment solution. And then maybe something else to solve the gaming solution. And there's going to be new technologies that are going to come and obsolete those. And they're going to, it's just going to be a forever ongoing thing. Like you just normally see in technology as a whole. And so, you know, tribalism and maximalism, listen, you could do it if you want, but it's not a smart way to invest because I personally think, there's going to be multiple horses that win this race. I have no idea which ones are going to win it. The last thing I want to be doing is only betting out one or two horses. That just doesn't make any sense to me. So, Hey, Johnny, uh, speaking of horses, I guess the, the important question here is, I didn't know they had cheetahs in Japan. I see a cheetah in the camera there. <laughs> yeah, look at that little cheetah over there. That cool. <laughs> I love cheetahs. They run fast. Oh, Erie, you're muted. There we yeah, go. Yeah, I, ha- I have four cheetahs in in this house so um yeah this one is miko and you know i 
she doesn't make an appearance too often, but it's winter time and it's getting cold. And so the lap is where she wants to be all the time. Well, she's a natural on camera. She makes great eye contact. I got to say that. And Johnny, <laughs> one of the things that we're talking about when it comes to all of these different narratives is the profitability when the market moves up, but how we need to take profits on the way up. And so I think the biggest question I'd like to ask you, Erie, is where do you see us overall? We addressed it a little bit at the beginning of the show. There's a lot of new listeners in here. Where do you think we are overall in this process of speculation moving into utility? Because every cycle we hear the same narrative. This is the cycle when utility comes in. To be honest, if I'm being completely honest, let's pretend I'm on a lie detector. I'm speculating about utility being valuable for this cycle because it's coming so quickly. It's going to be 2024 in just a couple of months. We're going to be in bull run territory. And I think at least 2027, maybe 2028 is when we really see the integration of these technologies. But people would love to hear your opinion. Where do you think we are? For XRP or for, for the market in general? Let's go market in general. Oh, well, the, you know, the supply and demand are the basic uh, drivers of this space. And so as the supplies are impacted with demand rising, uh, we're going to see, and that'll come with more and more players coming into the space. As Yusko said, if it is going to be $5 trillion, that's new money coming in. So you're going to see the demand increase, which will have an impact on supply. And so we're going to see that price reflect. And then you add speculation on top of that. That's always a, you know, that's always a roll of the dice. You have no idea that can, that those are, (laughs) that's where the element of surprise comes into play. And that's really kind of fun and exciting for people who are in this space to see a combination of both. So I think we're going to see a combination of both for a couple of years. And I just want to run over a couple of stats really briefly and kick it over to you, Johnny. Think about this. Back in 2018, the market started off at about $10 billion, 10, 15, depending on where you start. The, mar- the market all the way up to about $800 billion. It doesn't market exactly here, but it went up to $800 billion from 10. That's about an 80X. Am I right about that? Am I doing that math correctly, Johnny? Can you correct me? 10, 10 billion to 800 billion is an ADX. Yes, that's huge. Think about that. That is absolutely insane. From that point forward, the next cycle, we went from about 800 billion in total market cap to just under 3 billion. It was about 2.9 trillion, sorry, at the peak of the market. So from 800 billion to 2.9 trillion, Mark Yusko saying he thinks we're going to do a 2X this time, taking us to 5 trillion total value. I just wanted to throw that out there before you give your take. What do you take away from the market cycles and what we can take from the past and applying that to the future. Well, uh, uh, I'm not sure I understand the question. Is the question how long do we get to utility or is the question how high we're going? What's what's the actual question? The best thing about this show, my friend, is that this isn't a class. You take it wherever you'd like. We could talk yeah. about it. I would like to talk about it from the stance of looking at the past and applying it to the future, saying that we did a three and a half X last time and we're going to do a 1.7 X this time. That seems likely. I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So, you know, obviously when we had Yusko on, Yusko had mentioned that he thought we could get up to about $5 trillion. And the exciting thing about $5 trillion is imagine $5 trillion. That's about a four, maybe three and a half X from where we are today. Imagine that kind of money now flowing into this market space. Now, some of it's going to get locked up in hell. See, this is the one thing that's different and you know, unique about this current bull run. 
I, I, so to answer your question earlier, no, I don't think we're anywhere near utility yet. We're we're starting to get towards the S curve of utility on that on on this chart right here. Um, but we're 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 not anywhere near it yet. We're still you know in more of a speculative you know probably kind of where that where that purple circle is right, kind of moving towards the real world utility adoption. But we still have a long way to go before the whole world is you know embedded and everything's running on Web three point and blockchain. But um, in terms of where we're at with that five trillion dollars and moving into that, we know that that money typically will flow out of Bitcoin and then into the altcoins, right? Abs. So we know that it's kind of like it's a party, yeah. We're just going from it's like musical chairs. We can go from one chair to the other. We're just going to start pumping them all up. The thing that's different when you ask me talking about year over year, what I think is different. The one thing that's going to be different and unique about this bull run cycle versus the rest is if we get the Bitcoin, I should say if, when we get the Bitcoin ETF, some of that money now is going to get locked in there and can't come out. So if you remember when we had Yosko on the show, we talked about, yeah, when they, when you buy, when you create an ETF, you have to buy the underlying asset. So BlackRock and Kathy Woods is ARK and Grayscale, anybody else who, they're going to be putting money into this space that has to stay there. So it can't come out and flow in. So the interesting dynamic will be to see how much of it can come out and flow into the alts and how much is kind of, you know, we call total locked value will be locked into to Bitcoin and won't be able to come out. That's the one other thing. We don't know the answer to that yet, Abs. That's going to be a very, very fascinating thing. Now, what it does mean, though, is that'll provide a more stability base for Bitcoin. So rather than getting so much more volatility, if they're sitting and they're taking Bitcoins out of the market and they're holding on to them in their bags, so they're going to have to in the ETF, um, that I think will provide a nice new base. I don't know what that base is going to be yet, but it'll raise the floor to whatever it is. And I think you'll see less volatility in, in Bitcoin going forward. You're also going to see probably, you know, you're not going to get these crazy bull runs anymore in Bitcoin. This may be the very last... Again, my eight cents, I could be completely wrong. What do I know? I'm Italian. But I'm guessing that that is how it's going to play out. And you're going to see a more stable road for Bitcoin going further. Uh, I'm curious. Mario, he goes, what do I know? I'm Italian. Don't throw the Italians under the bus. There's a lot of smart Italians out there, Johnny. And you're one of them, my friend. But Erie, at the beginning of the show, you talked about how Bitcoin dominance reached 90% when you first entered this market. That's kind of what this illustrated illustration is providing here, showing us how over time Bitcoin the liquidity is slowly moving into the alts and it's staying there. Well, Johnny just painted a bullish catalyst for Bitcoin dominance. So what do you see going forward in terms of dominance for the market? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of that uh, locked up Bitcoin is going to end up being newly uh, newly minted or newly mined Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I think that the hodlers who have been hodling for a very long time, it you can look at the you know chain analysis and you can see that there's so many wallets that haven't moved any bitcoin for years i think when the price gets up there <laughs> above 100,000 above 150,000 you're going to see some of that bitcoin move and when it does move i think that's where you're going to see a lot of the flow into other altcoins so i i think that the it's going to be depending on who the customer is. The institutional investors are going to lock their Bitcoin up. But I think a lot of the original retail holders who've been holding a very, very long time, they're going to let some of that Bitcoin go. And it's going to flow back into the market. 
And I think there's going to be a lot of speculation. And that speculation is going to be on all of the new protocols that have come into play and that have really good utility and have really good solutions, especially in the DeFi sector. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of speculation there. Crypto, Eri, one of the things that we want to talk about is the fact that last cycle in 2020, Cardano went from three cents, three pennies, to about $4. It was well over $3 at one point. And what I'd like to point out about that is how many of those opportunities exist today? As this market grows and evolves, these market caps, they get bigger. It's harder to double 20 billion than it is 1 million. It's simple math, guys. So I'd like to kick it to you from that point. Yeah, if I, I can tell you that so many of the altcoins are still so far off their all-time highs. So, so we're not like we're starting at where the all-time highs are and then trying to go from there. We're still trying to make ground from what we lost in in you know this bear market. So, I, I think the opportunities are still amazing because because it's priced. There are so many that are priced so well right now. Yeah, they pulled back. Most of them pulled back 70, 80, 90%. And, and right. only, a few, only a few have recovered some of that. So I, I agree with you. I think there is uh, there is hope for those. And I think there are new ones as well, Abs, that will come along. You know, you're seeing things like you hear about Cass all the time and Myra. And there's, a, there's definitely going to be a bunch of small plays out there that I think are going to. And eerie. Gonna, Sorry about that, Johnny. Uh, and Eri, I wanted to ask a more specific question, and that's my fault. I wanted to be more clear with this Cardano it's point. Eddie. It's Eddie, I apologize. <laughs> you know, you can just butcher my name. That, that way we're equal. But one of the things I did want to point out is that in 2021, look what Cardano did during this time. Went from about $0.07, cents, you can tell, and it clearly overperformed, overleveraged. We've been through the extended bear market. Here's my question. You believe, and you've been in this market for such a long time, that's why I really value your opinion, do you believe that projects like Cardano that outperformed so drastically in 2021 are going to have a repeat of something similar? Maybe it doesn't go from three cents to $3, but maybe it goes from 30 cents to $6 or something along those lines. Because I see a $3 Cardano as nothing more than being speculation driven. We know they have the most developers, but when you look at utility on the network, Cardano is not a project that I see, and this is opinion, I don't necessarily see it providing the same utility that a lot of these other tokens that have the same capabilities do, if that makes sense. I know that's a mouthful, but everybody in 2021 was focused on the developers. What we're seeing now is that utility is way more important, implementation, accessibility. And I think that's where Cardano's kind of fallen back. So the question that I had for you is looking at a project that went from three cents to $3, is this project in the dumpster or are we going to see another utility run where even though it's overvalued, it will move with the market? Yeah, I I actually hold ADA. So um and I've been I, I was early to hold because I, I believed in the story that Charles had and I really uh it has some ideology behind it, which I really could get behind as well. Um I I think the story's gotten old, but the story is still very valid. And there's still a lot of new people who haven't heard the story yet. And so I think that when you do hear about what Cardano is 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 providing, and there are, and it's got a very very loyal community, and I think that there's still a lot of opportunity, not only for earning and for DeFi, but maybe some NFT markets, uh, some 
new different types of, of utility that we haven't even seen come to market yet uh, with with tokenization. You know, I, I think there's still a lot of potential there. And I think that it's not a dead project, I guess is what I'm saying. But also you have to realize that Cardano is up against uh, many more projects than it was in the previous bull markets. I mean, the amount of the amount of uh, tokens now and digital assets that do what the story has been, to, you know, told that that Ada was going to perform. There's now a whole. There's just a whole room full of of those projects that are doing that. So there's the competition is very stiff. It's very high and it's very full of different projects out there. So it's not a dead project. And there's a lot of people that are new that are going to come in and hear the story for the first time. Uh, and I still think that it has uh, great potential. And I hold Cardano as well, guys. I'm not some, I, I don't let my opinions get in the way of me making money because at the end of the day, my opinion about Charles Hodgkinson does not affect the price of Cardano. And it's like Erie laid out. There's going to be a certain portion of this market that gets attracted to projects like these. And I'd like to profit off of that. But the reason that I asked the question is because I remember watching this price action live and Johnny Crypto, I know you got comments, but really briefly, I remember sitting at my friend Dominic's house, literally watching Cardano. I was staying at his house for a week. And I think it was at this point right here. We went from about 30 cents to by the end of the week, we were at 70 cents. And I remember I flew home and the next three weeks we were just pumping, pumping, pumping. And so that's kind of the sentiment that I'm trying to capture right here is I think those days are going to return, but only for certain projects. What's your opinion, Johnny? You have to remember when you look at this chart, this chart looks exactly identical to the Wall Street cheat sheet pump chart, the way they pump all their coins. So the question simply becomes this. If the people who pump that believe that the narrative that they use still can hold water and there's still new people that haven't heard the narrative, then they're going to pump the shit out of it again. It was brought out as the ETH killer in, in the 2021 bull run. And I only know because that's when I got in and that's the first thing I heard about it was, oh yeah, it's Cardano. He let Charles left and he came here to fix the bugs. And I thought, oh my God, that's a great story. Shit. I, I fell for it. I bought a shit ton of it. Because I was like, that story makes sense to me. That that narrative was was perfect. And then you couple that with they had the number, the, the largest number of developers. Like everything adds up and it built a great there it is, right? So look at that cheat sheet. It's identical. So I like this one. This one's specifically for crypto, Johnny. Check this out. They made the uh in the other one, it talked a lot about the bull run. In this one, it talks about anxiety, complacency, denial. They added some adjectives for the bear market. So that's yeah. a little bit funny there. Yeah, but this is, so, so this is, I mean, you know, to me, who, so who's ever driving and pumping these things are, you know, most likely, you know, they will try to pump it again. Now, I think this time around, you know, will it go as high or will maybe, because I don't know. I mean, there's Solana out there now that that is the new one being talked at as the ETH killer now. But the problem is that's already at 50 bucks. So I, that thing's not, I mean, maybe it goes to 400. I don't know, but that's a 4X. Nobody's excited about 4X anymore in crypto. We all want 10 and 20, right? We're spoiled. We're a bunch of spoiled brats when it comes to crypto. But the reality is the 4X is still pretty good. But I think you're going to see, they'll try them. They'll try to spin the narratives and they'll pump them up as high as they can and see where it goes. Does Cardano have one more pump in it? Probably. I think as, as Eddie said, there are still many people that haven't heard of it. The narrative still holds word that it can be an ETH killer along with Solana. And it still has the highest number. If it still has the highest number of, of developers in GitHub, that's also going to add to the story. So, I, I, you know, you can almost start to see it 
they're already starting to kind of build up the momentum again on the on the on the, on the front end of that curve as we go into the next bull run. So I wouldn't be surprised to see. Now, will we will we will we break those all time highs? I don't know, Abs. We may we may not. But will we get a pump to maybe a dollar or two dollars? Probably. I, I my guess would be yes. I think so. Erie, I would. I don't know if we're short on time because I can literally talk all day. So you just let me know when you got to go, Erie, Eddie, and we'll we'll kick it over. He for ain't there. kidding about that, by the way. And I, and I, yeah, I'm not. And if I continue to butcher your name, I, I swear I'm doing the, the best that I can. So don't take it in any way other than that. But what I wanted to focus on more importantly is what you had kind of highlighted earlier in the show. And we talked a little bit about Cardano's price chart and how that performed during the last bull market. How about the crypto scams that are entering the market? Everybody who is here during 2021 knows when the bull market comes around, the scam market comes around as well. So maybe you can elaborate that. I know you saw the Ripple scam. What was your reaction to that? Are you saying, oh, here we go again? Or what's your reaction to all the fake articles? Well, I'm just really sad to see that these, um, any anytime there's an XRP video on YouTube, the content creators are really being hit hard uh, with these um, fake Brad Garlinghouse, you know, give me, give me one, I give you two back. And the problem is, is that we don't control as content creators, we don't have any choice, we don't control what ads go on, how many ads go on, anything. This is totally uh, done by Google. And so when when Brad Garlinghouse and Ripple tried to stop that in 2020, I think it was April 2020, when they when they brought a case against Alphabet, which is the parent company of um, YouTube, uh, the Northern District California uh, Court denied the case and granted dismissal to YouTube because they said that that was not within their jurisdiction and and that and that YouTube couldn't be held accountable. So I'm just really sad to see that here we go again. And as a content creator, I sometimes get very um, angry or, you know, they don't understand that it's not me putting those ads into my video and people are, are angry with me. And what I get scared about is that when people report uh, a bad ad of Brad Garlinghouse faking like he's, you know, being your best friend, send me your crypto and I send you uh, two back that my channel's going to be reported. And I'm scared that I'm going to get reported as a, uh, you know, as a scam channel because they meant to report on the ad that appeared, but I'm really nervous now that someone's going to report what they are thinking about the ad that's playing in the middle and I'm going to get hit with some sort of, um, you know, shutdown of my channel without any explanation because that seems to be what these platforms do is they just take your your voice away and they don't give you the reason why. And so I'm really kind of nervous right now with all these ads running. Besides, I think Al- uh, Alex Cobb in one of his live streams, he tracked one of those wallets, right? And he saw that that there had been people that got scammed, and and that and there was a XRP in that wallet, right? Abs, did you see that same thing? No, I watch all of Alex Cobb's live streams when I can, but I miss that one. I do love oh. Alex. So yeah, me too. So I I just think that um, there's still a lot of pe- some people say, oh, how could you ever believe that? It looks so fake, and it and the, and how can people believe it? But people do get scammed, so. 
I don't know where I'm going with the conversation, what the original question was, but I just feel, I just feel it's terrible that, that we have to deal with this. Here's what's really interesting, Yuri, is that I wonder, this is what's, uh, and I'm, I'm almost caught off guard here because I think about it like this. The SEC is supposed to be protecting us. That's the idea. It's literally people like me and Johnny and Mario and yourself, they're supposed to be protecting us. This ad has been on YouTube for two weeks, a week and a half now. Nobody's addressed it. I'm not saying that's the SEC's responsibility, but what I am saying is that FTX was able to build itself up and collapse under their watch while meeting with them, yet they're attacking the reality of these, these companies and their use cases. I don't even want to waste a lot of time on it just because I think it's so disappointing, but what it really highlights is where are the resources going? Where is the attention being focused? And if it's not in the right places, why aren't we addressing it? So that's kind of what I take away from it. Johnny, how about yourself? Yeah, that's a great question for Elon. Should ask. I mean, listen, you can't expect the SEC to police every single thing out there. No, right? I didn't say it was the SEC because no. it's actually YouTube. You, this is all on YouTube. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. YouTube, Twitter, you know, all of them, they need to do a better job of policing this stuff. And when you report this stuff, because they have a report button, it feels like it goes into an empty bucket of nowhere. You know, we report this and this skips on our show. Watch at the end of the show. You'll see like 97 quotes down here below this thing about, you know, Amazon. You missed Amazon, this or that. Or, you know, I don't know how those things get put on there. We don't put I them don't there. We try to report them. You hit the report button and it goes away. Then three seconds later, it comes back and it's no, there. No, even worse. So they'll put 75 comments under our video, all scam coins. It only lets you report three to five. Three, and then you, you can't. Remove and, three and there's 70 left. Then, yeah, you can't report them. So it's just the reality is these right. companies are not doing a very good job of policing this themselves. And it's probably because, think about it. If you've got, a, you know, 100 million users on your platform and they're reporting 20 different a day, that's 20 million requests coming in and there's just no way to police all this stuff so you know maybe ai will come in and can actually help with that kind of a thing for these companies to be able to police this better but it is it is really bad that you know you're right abs and, and and eddie that there is there's no there hasn't been any company yet who has figured out a good way to police this kind of stuff and it's really no. sad I spend over an hour a day, you know, I, I clean up my comments and I'm, I, I, I do it with a, a blockchain backer is another one that does it. And there's a few of us who take the time to um, filter and, and select and purge the, the bad stuff. But it, but if I added up all the hours, I mean, oh my gosh, the hours that I have in doing that is just crazy you know, to keep it clean and fresh, uh, eliminating those scammers and those bots. It's, it's, it's really terrible. And Mario, you're super, you're super informed when it comes to tech passwords, all this stuff. I used to have short passwords until I met Mario, my friends, but I do want to hear your opinion. YouTube has obviously allowed this ad. I've got to assume they've got at least 200, 300, a thousand requests. Now I put it one in myself. So there's gotta be tons of people putting the requests in. What do you think is a bigger problem here, the process that they have or the attackers in the market, how crypto just seems to be a magnet for these types of scams? Yeah, I mean, uh, scams are happening in all industries. Again, I, I think that unfortunately, scammers exist because people get scammed and people allow, you know, they they are they get fooled by, by, by the scheme of the scammer. And so that's the reality. And of course, YouTube and X and all these different platforms, they should put more energy and efforts to recruit towards creating better processes, towards creating uh, better systems that filter out these scammers that 
or I mean, in the age of AI, I, I really think that that could really help with with the filtering system of how to get rid of these scammers, these bots. Um, in this scenario, we've got somebody that's representing a company that's the CEO of a company running a video saying, do this. And I, I know that Meta has, uh, I mean, we know, Johnny knows as well, it, it's extremely difficult to advertise on these platforms. They have filters in place. They have automated systems that check for the content of what the advertisement is. And it's, it's, it's kind of disappointing, like you said, Abs, it's disappointing that this kind of stuff is getting through and that the worst of it is that the people are actioning on it and they're sending their XRP, they're losing money. And unfortunately, this is what continues to feed the scammers. This is what continues to allow the scammers to exist. You know what's amazing to me is there's an old saying, real old saying goes, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And you would think more people would apply that to especially the crypto space. Guys, if you're getting any kind of offer whatsoever from anybody and they're offering to give you money, you just got to give them some XRP or you got to give them some of your coins, you're going to get more back. Jesus Christ almighty. There is no such thing as a free lunch, guys. Nobody's giving you anything for free. Nobody's going to give you more than what you give them back. The world doesn't work that way. So I would just say you have to try to apply some common sense to these things. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Don't even click it. Don't just 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 avoid it. The bottom line is hard work is what pays off. You're gonna have to go earn your 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 income, your investment, whatever it is. Nobody's giving it to you for free, and that's the best way to avoid most of these scams. Hey Johnny, about a couple of weeks ago, I spent I spent about thirty minutes on the phone with a fake Coinbase customer support. And I did it on purpose because for as long as I knew that they were trying to scam me and I wasn't going to let it happen, at least I they weren't it. actually scamming somebody I else. I love but. it. You're absolutely right, Mark. You <laughs> just crazy. saved about maybe 10 other people in those 30 minutes. Good good for you, man. That, that's the bottom well, line. Well, I want to say thank you to Eddie so much because we always have a great time when we collaborate together. And I look forward to doing it again. Where can people find your content? Just in case anybody who's new, where can they find you on YouTube and Twitter? Uh, on YouTube, it's just Crypto Eddie. And on Twitter or X, it's uh, Cento Sumo Saba. Cento meaning the hot springs. Sumo is the uh, type of wrestling sport. And Saba is a type of mackerel that I love for sushi. Well, Johnny, you thought Abdullah was difficult. Try pronouncing that five times fast, Ooh. my friend. And I'm going to close this thing out. I'm going to stick with Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> I want to close it out by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny. Thank you to Mario. And of course, thank you to Crypto Eddie. We got 480 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here on this Wednesday. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Thank Let's you so much, go. Eddie.